Hello, I'm Christine Malika, PhD, and this is Interview with a Therapist. I'm a licensed psychologist, and each episode, I will be asking 10 questions to a professional in the field of mental health. Please note, in order to protect current or former clients' privacy in accordance with HIPAA and confidentiality laws, all identifying information has been changed. Today on Interview with a Therapist, I will be speaking with Dr. Summer Sullivan. Dr. Sullivan is a licensed psychologist and co-owner of South Miami Psychology Group, a private practice in Miami, Florida, with 11 clinicians. In addition to managing the practice, Dr. Sullivan provides individual, couples, and family therapy to children, adolescents, and adults. In order to support her clients, Dr. Sullivan utilizes an integrative framework of both Western and Eastern philosophies, including traditional psychotherapy methods with mindfulness-based techniques, energy psychology, somatic treatments, and energy healing. She also uses the healing properties of crystals, sound bowls, essential oils, and spirituality to facilitate a deeper healing and to enhance well-being. Welcome, Dr. Sullivan. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm so grateful to be here today with you. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here today. So let's talk. Which psychologist or figure in the field do you most admire? So the psychologist that I most admire, and I just got teary-eyed thinking about my answer, which is kind of funny, is my business partner, actually. Um, We own a practice, me and my business partner, for the past 10 years. She started off as my supervisor, and then I worked for her, and then we eventually joined forces and, and became best friends. And I have found that over this past year, with all of the struggles, I think of so many of us therapists have been facing on how to be present for our clients during COVID and quarantine and still also processing our own fears and our own emotions. I've really looked to her. And the reason why I say I really admire her you know, more than anyone else right now is because during this lockdown, as we we're trying to figure out how to change our entire practice to telehealth, making sure all our clients still had access to us, we were present for every single person that needed us, she got the news that her husband had stage three throat cancer. Mm. And that's why I'm getting talked up right now because it's like we were already in the space of uncertainty with the world, with COVID, with our business, and now she had this uncertainty of will her husband survive this? And I can't even tell you just even thinking about the way that she was able to put into practice the situation. She, you know, it was like her time to shine. Everything she's been telling her clients throughout these years, every single mindfulness technique, you know, gratitude practice, um, every every spiritual practice she knows or how to lean on other people, she put into practice so that she could still be there to help me manage the practice, be her client, take care of her family, and be her rock for her husband as he went through chemo and radiation. It was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I know that people, I believe that people are tremendous and our power the power that we have to really be strong in the face of adversity is so inspiring to me when I get to see it live. It's not just I'm talking to my clients and you can do it. Way to go. You've got this. Just, you know, um, we really are capable of so much. So she is the one I admire the most and I just adore her. <laughs> well, I hope her husband's doing well. 
yes, yes, absolutely. He just got the results back and everything is clear. And oh my gosh, they are on the path to recovery. Oh, amazing, amazing. That's wonderful. Oh, okay. Well, which case will you never forget? Hmm. This is an emotional question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the case really, you know, so many of my cases, um, have inspired me and have made me a better person. And I just, you know, I just, I'm so inspired when clients come in, when they see their courage, the courage to come and talk about what they're struggling with. I don't even know if I have an ounce of how much courage I see and the people that trust me and come and sit on my couch. But one piece in particular was a child who had lost her mom, her dad, and her grandmother in one year. Mm. And that case really stick out to me. She is now graduating from college and you know, I had seen her back when she was like eleven. Um, but that courage to continue to face life, uh, to find silver linings every single day, to know that there's a path for her. That was just a tremendous again, one of these stories that makes me feel like, okay, I can handle anything. And then I want my clients to feel the same thing. It's just this power of, of the human spirit and the human potential and how capable we are really of handling adversity and growing. So I always keep it in the back of my mind as somebody I look up to because of the way that she faced life with such courage and hope is tremendous. I agree, Summer. It's so many times that the main takeaway I had from my patients was how strong they were and having to deal with the unbelievably difficult or traumatic things that are in their lives and they would face them head on and on top of it, come into therapy and talk about it, which is often the hardest part for anyone. And it, I, I agree. That's it just, it's amazing how strong the uh, therapy patients are. People don't realize that. Um, what is the most frustrating thing about your job? <laughs> the most frustrating thing about my job is there's not enough time in the day. Um, I, I have to catch myself because I'm finding myself saying so many times that there's just not enough time. I wish there were more hours in the day if I could only elongate this day um, because I almost live a double life. You know, I run a practice. This is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 25 patients a week. This is a full-time job. And then I am a mom to two of the most amazing children in the world. And I obviously I love my husband too. And I have a dog and a new one coming. So I just don't have enough time. So it's frustrating to me that I really love my job. Like, I love it, and I want to be here present, and I want to take on more patients. But I also love more than anything being a mom. So what's frustrating for me is that there's just no way, unless I cloned myself, I could mm-hmm. fully be present and give 100% to both work and home life. But for me, that's what's most frustrating. But it's a silly thing to say because I'm obviously very blessed that I have that problem. But, yeah, I wish there were more hours in the day so that I could work more. <laughs> Because mom's full-time job, too, <laughs> to be good with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you consider your biggest professional success? Hmm. Well, I guess it would be the private practice that I co-own. Um, it has been a dream for me and my partner since we began to have a practice with many clinicians that work together as a team to create this family environment to have an office space that you came into and right away you felt like you were home. Mm. 
And we want, you know, this was our dream. We wanted to be able to provide amazing comprehensive services to our community. Um, but do it when we're giving an opportunity to other therapists who don't have the time or maybe the business knowledge to run the business to have a place where they can really shine. And, you know, we've been doing it. I mean, I live five minutes from my practice. It is my, definitely my second home. I walk into it and I'm like, ah. Um, you know, I'm inspired by everyone that works here. You know, we get to see so many different patients each week. That was my biggest professional success is the practice. And which I didn't go to business school and I had to learn everything from the ground up. So that's one of the reasons why I pat myself on the back and say, good job. Well, congratulations. And that sounds amazing. I had mentioned to someone, another psychologist who had talked about their practice being their biggest professional success. And I say like right on because we're not business people and that's not something we get taught in school. And for you to have a thriving, successful practice absolutely is a success in its own. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear what joy it brings you and that it's a source of satisfaction professionally and otherwise. Um, how does being a psychologist affect your home life? Um, I think being a psychologist is one of the greatest gifts to my home life um, for many reasons. But, you know, I, I even though I feel that it's a gift, my six-year-old has reflected back to me a couple times during COVID when she's come up to me out of the blue and said, I'm just so lucky. I'm so grateful that you're that my mommy's a psychologist, and my mommy's a doctor, because you can help us with our feelings. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, okay, I'm doing something right here. Um, that she's aware of the fact that it's so important that we have a healthy relationship with our feelings, that we lean on others to help us with our feelings. So in that way, it's been a really positive impact on my children. Um, they feel, I think, really safe talking about their feelings. They know this is what I do all day long. It also helps me a lot of time do a lot of self-reflection. I'm in session all day hearing different stories, hearing how you know, parents have struggled or kids have struggled. And so it makes me kind of check in with myself, like, how am I doing? <laughs> how am I doing as a person? How am I doing as a mother, as a wife? And because I do that self-reflection a little bit more, I think it helps me be a little bit better version of myself at home. Um, so it, it has impacted my life, my home life very well. How do you deal with burnout or vicarious traumatization? Burnout. I'm always <laughs> I complain. Um, burnout is an interesting one. I think that what I've really had to do lately was kind of shift my perspective about burnout. You know, um, knowing the research of how we interpret stress that really impacts how our body is impacted by it and how our mind is impacted by it. So kind of like, I do feel burned out a lot of times, but instead of being like, oh my God, I'm so tired, I can't do this anymore, which is normally what I say, I'm starting to catch myself and say, oh, okay, I'm feeling burned out, and it's because I was really present today for my clients. I was really, you know, working hard to take care of myself, to make sure I was a better version of myself for my clients, going on these journeys with them during each one of the sessions. So I kind of like, look at it differently. It's like when you come back from a big trip and you're so exhausted mm. and you have to kind of get back to your real world and you look at it like, well, I'm so exhausted. I'm grateful because I came back from a big trip. So I've been able to kind of 
flip the story in my head, which has helped a little bit. But also I do things when I get home with the kids. Like we jump on the trampoline, we ride bikes, we read books, we, we giggle. So I think having a totally different experience every day at the end of the day helps the burnout as well. And, but um, yeah, I'm tired. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I've got it all together. No, I'm, I'm constantly complaining about how tired I am. So if I had one more extra day in the week, I would probably sleep the whole day, and then that would help with the burnout. I haven't figured that one out yet. Well, I really like that reframe that you're like, instead of saying I'm burnt out, saying, you know, I really gave a lot of myself today to the client, or I was really authentic with myself today. Like, that, that's, I have not heard that, and that's great. Yeah, I call it hacking the mind. I have to hack the mind to figure out how I'm going to keep up this crazy <laughs> schedule of mine. It's like if I'm going to do it, I better look at it in a way that's going to benefit me instead of be complaining like, oh, there's not enough time for anything, which is hard, you know. But it's, there's always an opportunity to choose to see it differently. And that's what I'm working on. I'll let you know how that turns out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something you remember learning from a patient? Hmm. One thing that I have like that sticks out I was working with um couple for couple therapy and they were struggling to make the progress that they wanted to see in their relationship. And at some point my patient had this aha moment. She realized, you know, the reason why we're not we both want this. Um, to make these improvements. So one of the things that we're struggling with is, is the discipline. How do you become disciplined every day to make your emotional well-being, your mental health, your relationships a priority? And I really, that really stuck out to me because I think it is important and I need to keep that in the back of my mind too, like how disciplined we need to be in making this a priority. Like every day waking up and saying, how do I want to feel today? How do I want to think today? Who do I want to connect with today? You know, am I going to breathe when I'm triggered? Those kind of things, setting yourself up with that discipline. Like, you know, we don't necessarily do that automatically. But that's something that's really changed me is when I had this aha moment, like, oh, wait, that's what's missing in my life. He was kind of this discipline on, you know, making that emotional well-being a priority each and every day. We deserve and, it. We need it, you know? And not easy, unfortunately. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you weren't a psychologist... What career do you think you would be? <laughs> a healer. Um, it's the same thing. I don't know. Um, I always, I knew that this is what I wanted to do since I was in the ninth grade. So I never even tried on a different career path or an idea. Um, I've always wanted to be an author and write children's books. But my children's books would still be about healing and feelings. So I guess it's kind of in the same field. I don't know. I want to have a wellness club again. The same. I, I don't even know. I just don't even think my brain will let me go there. Um, I don't really have an answer for you. Maybe own a farm. I love mm. animals. That would be fun. A puppy farm and just raise oh, puppy puppies. farm. That sounds nice. That, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. All. That's amazing, though, that from ninth grade you knew you wanted to be in the field of, like, therapy or healing or counseling or helping other people work through things. Yeah, you know, I read Prozac Nation, which is like a, a probably a book, maybe not appropriate for ninth graders, but you know, it's, a, it's about depression, mm-hmm. and it really made me think about the mental the stigma about mental health, and it mm-hmm. just it awoke, woke something. I don't know why I used that word incorrectly. 
something inside me. And then I couldn't ever, you know, think about having a different path. So that was kind of exciting to have one of those awakening moments so yeah. young, knowing what I wanted to do. I feel really grateful for that. Sure. Um, if you could make one change to the field of psychotherapy or psychology, what would it be and why? So, uh, if I had some extra time, and, and at some point I will, at some point this is definitely something I feel really passionate about, and I will make the time so that I can educate others. So if I could change one thing about the field of psychology, it would be helping people understand and recognize the benefits of energy psychology. Um, although there are over 200 studies supporting the benefits of energy psychology, it's still considered a pseudoscience by many people, hmm. especially in the American Psychological Association. And you know, we're trying to educate people on how it is a beautiful adjunct with traditional psychotherapy methods. And so I think it just takes education, getting people out there, trying these techniques, helping them understand that we can do research and be a peer case supported and just how powerful energy psychology can be. So that would be something, if I could make a change, is that that would become more of a mainstream choice for people to know that APA does support it, and and it's out there, and it's an option for us, and it's beautiful. We, you know, there's so many other mind-body um, techniques that have gotten that support, so I know we will as well, because, you know, the APA obviously really understands and, and appreciates the mind-body connection and holistic psychology techniques. So we're almost there, but if I had more time, that's what I would go and advocate <laughs> about. Could you take a few minutes to educate the audience on what energy psychology is? Yes, absolutely. So energy psychology is, a, it's, it's energy psychology as well as like different practices, which is a collection of mind-body approaches that help us understand and improve mental and physical health by combining both Eastern and Western philosophies. So it's really looking at the mind-body connection, how emotions are energy inside our body, energy and emotion inside our body, and how we can tap into that energy, those emotions, by using the meridians, which comes from Chinese medicine, using the body's natural wisdom, right? So we can tap into the emotions by tapping on our body on these different meridians, while also understanding how our cognitions and our thoughts really impact our body. So it's really looking at how are, how are we experiencing our emotions in our body and how can we use these techniques to kind of release those emotions when they get stuck, but doing it in a way that really understands both its importance in the mind and the body. So it's really an integrative approach. That's why we call it energy psychology because we're still using cognitive behavioral therapy, exposure therapy, mm. these traditional psychotherapy techniques that we're combining it with Chinese medicine, using the knowledge of the meridians and these acupressure points in our body. So really we can help our body release these emotions in a way that can help us be free of past traumas, be free of obsessions, be free of fears. So it's a really beautiful dance between the two Eastern and Western um, philosophies. And it's, it's beautiful. There's an association for comprehensive energy psychology, ASAP, and that really helps people get the education that they need if they want to learn more. 
we have all the research studies on that website, and they're really trying to help educate people on how powerful these modalities can be. And I hope that was <laughs> helpful. I tried to summarize it pretty fast. No, no, that, that was very helpful. And honestly, it sounds really cool. And um, is it similar to, I've been hearing about tapping? Is that one piece of it? Yes. Okay. So tapping right. is one part of energy psychology. Um, there are different practices under the umbrella term of energy psychology, but tapping, which is also called EFT, emotional yes. freedom technique, yes. or TFT, thought field therapy, um, that is also that's what tapping is. And But there are other practices that also fall under energy psychology umbrella, but in general, it's really understanding how can we work with the mind and the body and how can we connect it, meaning, you know, the mind, body, and your spirit, mind, body, and soul, and getting those in alignment that people can really experience a shift and start to feel free of those emotions. And, yeah, it's really, it's a cool experience because sometimes when you're doing these techniques in your sessions, clients will feel a shift right away, which mm-hmm. feels really good. They can actually be like, oh, something just shifted. Like, because you're tapping into your body, you're helping your, your emotions and your feelings want to be released. But unfortunately, the stories that we tell ourselves a lot of times keep those emotions trapped and, and stuck. But when we tap on our body, we kind of bypass some of that ego and those cognitions that hold those emotions in place. And so you can feel just the body releasing, which feels really, really good. And also, tech, these are techniques you can teach your clients and they can go home and do, which I always love to do that. I love to give skills that people can utilize on their own when they're stressed. Mm-hmm. They don't have to come into the session to find that relief. Well, that sounds amazing. Thank you for explaining that a little bit more. Um, it's a little bonus question that I like to end the interview with, and it's what do you wish to tell non-therapists that are listening today? Um. I think what I'd like to tell non-therapists, are these non-therapists that are people seeking therapy or, or or just people that don't understand kind of what we do? Um, I guess it could be either. Think? I'm thinking of anyone in the audience who might tune in and who isn't a therapist. Maybe they are seeking. Maybe they're warning about therapists. But just something maybe a therapist could impart to them that they might not right. know about us. I, or. I, yeah. Totally. Thank you for that clarification. I think that one of the things that maybe people assume a lot of times about therapists is that we have it all together. (laughs) (laughs) And although I try really hard, I really make my mental health, my emotional health a priority so that I can be really present, that we all struggle with many of the same things that our clients do. So we've just chosen this as our profession. So we just have the opportunity to study, you know, it's not that we know any better, it's just that we've taken the time to study and to learn and to practice. And we are just like whoever's sitting on the other side of the couch, but they have chosen a different profession. So I really think it's important for people to understand is like, we didn't choose this profession because we know it all. We just chose it because we love to be in the position of helping others. And we make take the time to study and to learn. Um, but we are just like everyone else and that everybody possesses unique ability to tap into their own wisdom and their own healer which is sometimes it's helpful to have somebody else it kind of helps you reflect helps you remove any blocks you might have being able to listen to your own inner wisdom but we all actually have our own therapist inside our own emotional guidance system 
And so that's something also I'd like people to know is that they can learn to become their own therapist, but first they should probably seek out the therapist <laughs> um, to kind of get that guidance and help them figure out, you know, where they want to go on their path or how they can process trauma and those kind of things. Um, but so we're all the same. We're all, we're all in this together. Well, thank you for that, because I think that's really lovely and a, a nice way to put it that we do not have it all together. We're just the same people who are in a different profession. I think that's, that's a really great way to put it. So thank you. Um, mm-hmm. That's all our time today. So thank you so much, Dr. Sullivan. It was a pleasure to have you on today. And I hope well, you and I you can so much. I had so much fun. catch up soon. And I'm glad this was fun for you, too. It was wonderful for us. And um, good luck to you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Interview with a Therapist. As always, I hope these episodes both help humanize the therapist and help destigmatize seeking mental health treatment. If you are interested in seeking therapy, apa.org backslash help center is one place to start. If you are a family member of someone seeking help, nami.org can be useful. That's N-A-M-I dot org. You can find us on Instagram at Interview Therapist. Please note that comments or messages on social media are not monitored regularly and is not to be used for any treatment concerns or emergencies. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 911 in your local area or call 1-800-273-8255 nationally. This podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice or treatment.